All right. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our uh, wonderful guest speaker for the retreat, Pastor Benjamin Robinson, one more time. Come on. How's everybody doing tonight? Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Can you say amen? Isn't this an awesome retreat center, first of all? Can we just give the retreat staff here a hand? And I want to say that New Philadelphia Church is a house that's full of excellence. And so, first of all, I just want to recognize all of the leaders that put this whole thing together. There's nothing but excellence here. I mean, it is so excellent. It is so excellent. Everything you do is excellent. You're not capable of anything less than excellence because you are excellent. So give yourselves a hand. And, of course, all of your excellence is due to the excellence of the leaders that God has given you. Pastors Christian and Aaron Lee, come on, just give them a hand. You see, you see, God has placed excellence in each and every one of his sons and daughters. But in order for that excellence to be manifested, there's got to be an excellent leader above us that can call that excellence out of us. An excellent leader that will not allow us to maintain the status quo and to linger in a place of, of disillusionment, doubt, and despair because we can't see the excellence in us. But when God puts excellence above us, it's because he's lifting us up into the place of excellence. And so each and every one of you are highly favored of the Lord to serve under the leaders that God has given you. Now, the Queen of Sheba, when she came to visit Solomon, she didn't see uh, like the, the, the Davidic army, the way the, the way the army was arranged. When she came into the court of Solomon, she saw the seating of his elders. She saw the administration of his household. She saw the priests and the elders in their places. And when she saw it, she said, I've heard stories about you, but the half has never been told. And then she said, how happy your servants must be to serve you day and night. How happy your servants must be. Why? Because she saw that Solomon was a man of excellence. And when you serve with a man of excellence, you have the opportunity to become a part of something that's bigger than you, to participate in an excellence that goes beyond your personal excellence. But there's a collective and corporate excellence that comes together whenever God takes a people and puts a man of excellence at the helm. And so you are all highly favored by the Lord. I can't say it emphatically enough that God is highly favored favored you by giving you the leadership that he's given you. And he's highly favored your leadership by giving them you. Amen. Favor all around on the rocks. Uh, arise new Philly. It's time to arise and shine. It's time to arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I said, it's time to arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness is covering all the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you and the Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawning. God is speaking a word about light and he's speaking a word about dark. 
darkness. And this whole retreat, the theme has been from the old to the new. Yes, the display of his splendor. God's splendor is displayed when we move out of the old and into the new. When we move out of the old creation and into the new creation. When we move out of the old dispensation and into the new dispensation. And what this retreat has been all about... Uh, Pastor Christian announced it last week at Friday Fire. He, he began to announce to you what God was doing in this new season and what God is requiring of you in order to move into this new season that he's bringing about by the power of his Holy Spirit. And what this whole retreat has been about is to help you understand by the word of the Lord the different parameters of it so that your minds can grasp it and so that you can move with your minds into the new season. And if your minds move, then your emotions will follow your mind. And if your emotions follow your mind, your will will follow your emotions. And if your will follows your emotions, your body can't help but follow your will. You ever play centipede when you were in grade school? You know what centipede is? It's when you get about 40 kids together and, and the guy at the, in the lead just runs wherever he wants to run and everybody's holding hands. The guy at the front turns right. And the 40th guy gets whipped. His feet almost come off the ground. The body is like the 40th guy. The mind is the first guy. I mean, the first guy turns right. It's just a slight turn for him. But the last guy gets whipped and he gets pulled so hard and so fast that he can't, it's not, he's not even doing it of his own accord. He's simply being pulled by the momentum of the mass of people who, that he's connected to. When your mind turns right, your body cannot help it. You, listen, you're so focused on trying to change your behavior and move your body when all you got to do is move your mind. If your mind moves into it, your body will be pulled there. Your you're not trying to force your body to go there by the strength of the body. Whatever you're trying to do by the strength of the body is called the flesh. And the flesh is whatever you can do without God. In your own strength. Through your own ingenuity. And God isn't asking you to do it. He's simply asking you to believe what he's done. And if you could believe what God has done. And believe that he's brought you into a new season. And a new dispensation. And begin to think differently. According to what God has done. Your body will get whipped. And your body can't help. Your feet will come off the ground. And your body will just be pulled into that new place. And suddenly you'll begin to act out of the new season. You'll not only speak out of the new season. And think out of the new season. But act out of the new season. It's a new season. It's a new day. Isaiah 60 verse 19, it says, The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light and your God your glory. Let me say that again. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be to you in everlasting light and your God, your glory. I want to talk to you tonight about another aspect of this movement from the old season to the new season, from the old creation to the new creation. Now, in the original creation, what's the first thing God created? And God said, let there be... The first thing God created was light. And what light does, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, what light does is it makes things visible. In the original creation, the first thing he did was create the means by which everything else he created would become visible. He created the means for seeing it before he created it. Imagine the first thing that was created was light, but there was nothing for that light to illuminate because he hadn't created anything yet. 
He created seeing before he created anything to see. There were no eyes, but yet there was light. There was no one that had, there was no optic nerve or optic disc. And without an optic nerve and an optic disc, light means nothing. But he said, I'm going to create the means by which what I am getting ready to do is visible before I do it. And God always works that way. He creates the means for seeing what he's about to do before he does it. He creates light. And in the, in the, from the original creation to the new creation, the priority is the same in this sense. The first thing he creates is light. Now, Paul tells us so in... Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, what Paul is saying is that the same way in the original creation, God began by saying, Let there be light and created physical light. In the new creation, he says, let there be light and causes us to see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The first thing that God does is create the means by which what he does is to be seen. And that means in the new creation is Jesus Christ. So that everything that God does in the new creation, he does through his son, Jesus Christ. That is, Christ is the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If anyone walks in me, he will never walk in darkness. And so Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He is the means by which everything God has done is clearly seen. Are you with me? However, there's a, dis there's a difference and a disconnect between what happens next in the new creation and in the original creation. Because in the, in the, in the original creation, God separates light from darkness. Isn't it interesting that he allows the darkness to remain? He doesn't do away with it. In the original creation, he gives us a period of light and a period of darkness. A period of light and a period of darkness. And light has to do with revelation and clarity. Darkness has to do with ignorance and deception. So that what we find in the original creation under that protocol is that we understand things for a season and then we go back into confusion. You ever find that? You have a moment of clarity. I got it. No, I just lost it. You come to church and you get a revelation and you go, I got it. And as soon as you walk out of the sanctuary and the worship music isn't playing anymore and you feel like the anointing lifts and you go back into darkness. You came to the altar and cried it out and you were filled with light and you went right back home and went to www.ishouldn'tbehere.com. <laughs> and there's a light to govern the day and a light to govern the night. Even in the darkness, he doesn't leave us in complete darkness. He puts a little moon out there. 
So that even when you're walking in darkness, you can see the moon is out and it's, uh, it's the light of His grace that says, I'm covering you here and I, I know that you've stumbled back into the darkness, but even in His darkness, the light begins to shine and there's a light that governs the night so that the night is not left without government. But we still find ourselves going back and forth from light to darkness and light to darkness, from clarity to confusion, clarity to confusion, from ignorance to knowledge and ignorance to knowledge. And we're in and out and in and out and in and out. And every, every Sunday we come in and every Monday we go back out. And that's old creation. Watch what he says here. Go back to Isaiah 60. The sun will no longer be your light by day. First, the first thing he says is that in the new creation, God is doing away with the old means of seeing things. Because what the sun makes visible is what happens in the natural physical world. And he says, you're no longer going to see according to that pattern. That's why when Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, the light of his glory was so strong that it blinded him. Physically, he was no longer able to see in the natural. The light of Jesus was so powerful and so strong that Paul was temporarily unable to see anything in the natural. Listen, God wants to so overwhelm you with his spirit, so overwhelm you with his power that you can't even see the natural world anymore. You don't even see it. You don't even perceive it. You don't even understand it. Can you imagine if you're blind in the natural world? We did this exercise in the, in the newlywed game today. And my wife blindfolded me and I was standing right here and the entire world disappeared. All I had was her voice. And her voice along with four other voices. <laughs> all screaming into the microphone at the same time. And I had these moments of clarity. I remember I stepped to here and I heard all of them screaming. I thought, oh no, I'm lost. Focus, Benjamin, listen. And suddenly I heard her voice, take a step forward. And then the voice was gone. It was in the midst of all these other voices. I'm focusing, I'm focusing all of my, and I heard a step down, go down the stairs. And I took a step down and I'm down. I'm listening. Folks, come on, take two more steps. You're down the stairs. Now get down on your knees. I got down on my knees. It's right in front of you. It's right. And there's, I'm having to, I'm having to push out every other voice so that I can hear her voice. But there's all of this confusion surrounding her clarity. Her voice is clear, but there's so many other voices that it's, I'm surrounded by confusion. That's how most believers live their lives. Yes, if I focus hard enough, I might hear God say something, but there's also at least four other voices speaking at me as loud as they can. And so I get confused. Sometimes I think that this other voice... Now, if, I'd, if Aaron is standing over here yelling at Christian, Sky is yelling at John Mark, Michael... And Anita is yelling at John, Noof. If I would have started listening, it would have been, and they're all Korean women. Loud Korean women. <laughs> you 
know what was funny was when I was the first one to get to Cannes, and I got back up, and I took the microphone off, and those other three were like the three stooges, tripping over each other, tripping, you know, wrestling on each other's backs. They were, they were all, you know, Pastor Christian's over here. And Pastor Aaron's yelling, it's behind you. He's, no, the other way. They look like three stooges over here, just going in circles. And I, It was hilarious. That's how most believers look. God is yelling. It's right in front of you. Just listen. It's right there. Get off John Michael's back. Light makes things visible. But when you go, when you move from, see, I had to move from seeing the natural world to hearing it. But hearing it through the voice of my wife. Whenever God begins to release the light of the new creation, he releases it through his word. Just as he created light through his word, actually the ability to see comes from the word of God. Listen. Okay, I'm going to throw some stuff at you tonight. Remember in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a voice behind me that sounded like the sound of a trumpet. And he said, when I turned to see the voice, I didn't turn to see an image. I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. I wanted to see the voice that spoke to me. Listen, when I begin to see the voice of the Lord, when I begin to uh, 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 when I begin to orient my ears to and orient my eyes, I'm going to see the natural world not by what is visible in the material or in the natural realm, but I'm going to see it through the voice of the Lord. That is, when I hear the voice of the Lord, that voice is going to be the means by which I see. And, and I'm going to learn how to tune into that voice and shut out all those other Korean voices. And I'm going to hear that one voice. Imagine living your entire life blindfolded with somebody following you going, stop, turn left, down a step, stop. I mean, imagine you had to orient your entire life toward hearing rather than seeing. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. Your entire life must be oriented towards hearing and suddenly you begin to see the voice that speaks to you. Suddenly you begin to see with your eyes the things that you have conditioned your ears to hear by faith. Suddenly you begin to, you know, it says God took the dust of the ground and he formed a man out of it. Suddenly you begin to look at dust and see a man in it. The difference is he says in the original creation, you saw because of the sun and the moon. But in the new creation, he says, I'm taking you into a new dispensation. I'm taking you into a new day and into a new time, into a a new modus operandi, into a new methodology of living. The sun shall no longer be your light. Get used to it. You're not going to see by the light of the sun much longer. In other words, you cannot, you can no longer live your life according to what you see with your eyes and hear with your ears. That's walking by faith. 
I mean, that's walking by sight. you got to learn to walk by faith. And whenever God calls you to walk by faith, he, the first thing he does is takes away your sight. Lord, I can't see it. Good. I know, and I hear people say it all the time. I know God's calling me to do this, but I just can't see it yet. Well, don't you realize that the inability to see is a gift from God? Because if you saw it, you wouldn't need faith. We're going somewhere, I promise. Nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. There's no more daylight and night light. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light. And your God, your glory, verse 20, your sun shall no longer go down. Nor shall the moon withdraw itself. Okay, day and night, the light of the day and the light of the night are going to shine on you at the same time. No darkness. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and the days of your mourning shall be ended. God is taking you into a place where he becomes your everlasting light. Where he takes you beyond moments of revelation and back into moments of confusion. He takes you beyond having a moment of clarity and back into a a life of confusion. He's taken you beyond that light and darkness. Now you're just going into the light. He's taken you beyond moments of freedom and back into moments of bondage. I'm talking about most believers have learned to condition their lives according to this flow of light and darkness, morning and evening, light and darkness, morning and evening, light and darkness, morning and evening. And we say a righteous man falls seven times. The only difference is he gets back up again. And so if I fall into the darkness, I'm just going to get back up into the light. And if I fall into the darkness, I'm just going to get back up into the light. And yes, there's a light that governs the night. And so I can see the grace of God even in the midst of my darkness. But God is saying, that's the old dispensation you got to stop thinking according to that old dispensation. you got to start thinking according to the new dispensation. And in the new dispensation, the Lord becomes your everlasting light. I'm talking about a light that doesn't go out when the service is over. I'm talking about a light that doesn't end when the revival's over. I'm talking about a light that doesn't just get flipped on when the worship team is playing real good or when you got worship music playing in your house all the time. I'm talking about you wake up in the morning and the light is already shining and you wake up in the middle of the night and the light of the glory of God is already shining and and you go to sleep at night and the light is already shining and you're walking through the day and the light is shining. I'm talking about you're able to say the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid I'm talking about the light never goes out the sun never goes down the clarity never leaves the the revelation never ceases I live in the light of his presence because I've learned to acclaim him I'm telling you you can begin to live at that place but you first need to move your mind into that place hmm Jesus said in John, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 14, 16, somewhere around there, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. 
a city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and hide it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father who is in heaven. I'm telling you, we need to rescue that scripture from Sunday school. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to. We've learned that song and we've sung it so much that we've taken that scripture and said it's a Sunday school text. You know what I'm talking about? Sunday school text, it's for the immature, it's for the children, it's something so small. And so we just think this is the light of mine. And what does it mean? Let your light show, so shine before men, meaning always make sure to do enough good deeds. And we've just become good Muslims. Or good Buddhists. Because it's all about doing some good deeds. And that's not what he's talking about. The light shines through good deeds, but good deeds are not the light. The light is revelation. And it's always shining. And when you are walking in revelation, your deeds declare it. And your deeds declare it not because you had a, a, a bracelet on that said, what would Jesus do? Not because you always look for old ladies to help across the street. And, and you always do the obligatory asking a homeless person if you can buy them something to eat when you see them. I'm not talking about that religious stuff. And don't, by the way, that stuff's not bad, but it's not it. When I'm talking about good deeds, I'm talking about the good deeds that Jesus walked in. You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost in power and how he went about doing good. And what is good? Healing all those who are oppressed by the devil. Because God was with him. He went about doing good and his good deeds were not simply helping old ladies across the street. His good deeds were setting captives free and opening prison doors for those in chains of bondage. The light of revelation was so strong in his life that he couldn't help but being freedom everywhere he went. If you're walking in the light, you're going to bring light wherever you go. And darkness is covering the earth. And deep darkness the people. The problem for so long is that darkness has been covering the church. And what God wants you to know tonight is that the only way possible for you to go back into the darkness after God has taken you into the light is for you to take the light he's given you, which is always an eternal light, and put it under a bowl. You put it under a bowl of unbelief and fear. You put it under a bowl of condemnation and shame. And it is this negative expectation that says, how long am I going to walk in this before I fall back into that darkness? It's your anticipation. It's your thought process. It's the way you're thinking. You're not thinking according to the new creation. You're not thinking eternal light. God doesn't give you anything temporary. Think about that. God doesn't give you anything temporary. When he encourages you, he expects you to be encouraged for the rest of your life. It's only in your mind that two weeks later you're supposed to be depressed again and needing encouragement. When he gives you joy, he expects you to be joyful for the rest of your life. 
That's why it says a crown of everlasting joy will crown your head. Gladness and joy will overtake you. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. That's why Paul said rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you forgot, again I say rejoice. It's supposed to be permanent. And so when God lights the lamp of revelation in your heart, when God causes that light to begin to shine on you, when he brings you into clarity, when he gives you revelation, when he shows you something, when he does something in your life, when he breaks something off you, you need to get up and assume that it's permanent. You got to begin to believe that it's permanent, that if God gave it to me, I can't lose it. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. I haven't lost anything. Matter of fact, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So if he gave it to me, I have more today than I did yesterday. Hmm. You've got to begin to think differently. You're thinking in terms of loss. I had so much anointing in the last season, but now I feel dry. Oh, so your feelings have determined how much anointing you have on your life. You think you're dry because you feel dry. Listen, Dr. Kirby Clements, Pastor Daniel's spiritual father, my spiritual father, spiritual father, he always says that, that emotions are good friends. Emotions make good companions, dear friends, but terrible rulers. We keep talking about the interpretation of Scripture and what kind of hermeneutic do you use. You know what we do? We interpret Scripture according to our emotions. We use an emotional hermeneutic. How I interpret it is based on how I'm feeling today. They should teach that in seminary. You've got to begin to think permanent. The light never stops shining. The light never stops shining. Matter of fact, it increases. You've got to begin to think that way. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And your light will never go out. Your sun will never go down. Your light will never go out. Your sun will never go down. I know we've read these passages of Scripture. And we're always thinking eschatologically at the end of the age. When it's all said and done. When Jesus comes back to take his church home. Then our light will never go out. And I'm saying that God never intended for our our light to go out. Even under the old covenant, he told them, I want you to keep putting sacrifices on that altar so that the light of that altar never goes out. I want you to keep those candles burning in the inner court so that the light of the lampstands never go out. He even embedded it in the old covenant that the light is never to go out. It was a sign to us that our light is never to go out. Jesus told the parable of the five foolish virgins who ran out of oil. Why? It wasn't because, it wasn't because there was no more oil available it was just because they had gotten sloppy and lazy and didn't either didn't think they could get anymore or didn't think they needed anymore. But the five wise virgins made sure to keep oil in their lamps so that the light never went out. I'm saying that Jesus is coming again for a church whose lights are burning and have made a decision that my light will never go out. And I'm saying that your sun will never go down and your moon will never stop shining. The light is going to shine brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until the day dawns. Are you hearing me tonight? 
Are you hearing me tonight? You've got to get this in your spirit. This is what God is requiring for you to enter fully into the new season. Remember, every new day starts at midnight. It's still dark outside. You're going to look with your eyes and say, what do you mean new season? It's still dark outside. Everything that pertained to my old season is still there. All of my old trials are still there. All of my old troubles are still there. My old tribulations are still there. It seems like nothing has changed. Yes, but you're looking with your eyes. God wants to blindfold you and he's going to begin to speak and he's going to begin to speak louder and he's going to begin to speak louder and you're going to have to train yourself to begin to see the voice of the Lord. Mm. All right. You got it. I'm going to take you one more place. Revelation 21. Talks about the new Jerusalem. There in Revelation 21 verse 2, he said, Then I saw the new Jerusalem, the holy city, descending out of heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will be their God, and they will be his people. God himself will wipe every tear away from their eyes, for the old order of things has passed away. Then I heard the voice of him who sat upon the throne say, Behold, I make all things new. Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Isn't it interesting that God says, write this down. (laughs) Only thing he told John to write down. Well, there were a couple of other, other things, but he says when he gets to the end of the book, the last thing he tells him to write down is I'm making all things new. Now write that down. Write that down. Write it down right now. I'm making all things new. I'm making all things new. Write that down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Then he begins to describe the new Jerusalem and the holy city. And he describes the streets are paved with gold and the gates are made out of one pearl. And he describes the glory of the city. And then he says in verse 22, but I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated it. I'm saying that God is taking you to a place in this lifetime where you will have no more need of the sun or the moon. What does that mean? You will have no more need of of proof in the natural. God will speak it to you and you don't need the sun to shine on it or the moon to shine on it. You don't need to see it. You'll simply say, I believe it. Why? Because God, you said it. Your glory is the only light I need. God says you're rich. Your bank account says you're poor, but you don't need the sun or the moon. You're not looking at the digits in your bank book. You're hearing the word of the Lord and God says, I'm rich. So I'm rich. Remember, Jesus said to doubting Thomas, you, you believe because you've seen. Blessed is he who has not seen, but yet believes. God is taking us into the dispensation where those who have not seen are going to believe. Why are they going to believe? Because they've seen it in the spirit. It hasn't manifested in the natural yet, but they've seen it in the spirit. And they're, they're learning how to live because they're seeing the glory of the Lord. Remember, it said, it said there in Hebrews chapter 11 that Moses uh, endured because he saw him who was invisible says he saw him who was invisible. Paul says that we're not to look to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. God is taking us, he's giving us a heavenly perspective so that we no longer look at things in the natural, but we look at them in the spirit. We no longer look look at things according to their external nature, but according to their internal nature. We begin to see what God is doing, not what man is doing. And we're only moved by what God is doing and not by what man is doing. And I'll end with this. If I can get somebody to come to the keyboard. 
when I was about, I don't know, eight, nine years old, something like that, I had a revelation one Sunday. It was a communion Sunday, and um, the pastor was up at the front, and all of the elders came to the front, and they were receiving the trays, and they were going and distributing the elements to the people, and I just bowed my head to begin to pray and seek the face of the Lord. I had a revelation. I looked up, and I saw a light appear up above the podium, up in the, at, the, at the top of the sanctuary. I saw a light. And suddenly in the spirit, I knew that that light represented my life. And in a moment, I was taken 10 years into my future, and the light was bigger. And suddenly I was taken another 10 years, and the light was bigger. And I was taken another 10 years, and the light was bigger, and another, and another, and another. And I was taken progressively throughout my entire life. And at every stage, the light got bigger and my joy got greater. My joy just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the light got bigger and bigger. And then I was taken to the moment of my death. And at that moment, the light was bigger than it had ever been. And the moment I crossed over, it was nothing but light. I stood there and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. I didn't even know what it meant, but I knew it was good. You know what God was showing me? I reflect on that revelation all the time. God was showing me he was reinterpreting my life for me. Because even at that young age, I looked at my life and I saw so much stuff that was pressing me on every side. And I was tempted to be hopeless and afraid. And I, I felt like my future wasn't very bright, actually. I didn't have the natural, you know, there was nothing really in the natural to say that there was any greatness in my life. I wasn't displaying any latent uh, leadership abilities or, or, or even ministry capabilities. There was really nothing. I wasn't, wasn't very smart. I wasn't very attractive. You know, where Paul says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 31 and following, he says, consider your calling that not many of you were wise according to human standards, not many noble. There was nothing in my life that looked bright to me at that time. Even my musical gifts hadn't been discovered yet, not even by me. And so my future didn't look bright to me, but God began to take me into this revelation to say, your future looks brighter to me than it does to you. Matter of fact, it's not just a bright future. Your future is light. Your life is nothing more than ever-increasing stages of light because I'm taking you from glory to glory. I'm taking you from glory to glory. I know you think he's taking you from trial to trial, but tonight God is bringing reinterpretation. He's taking you from glory to glory. You say, then why is the place I'm standing in right now so dark? It's just because you're in between one glory and the next glory. But when you're in between glories, you find yourself in a valley. The valley is not the destination. It is not your destiny. It's only a part of the journey. He's taking you from glory to glory, ever-increasing stages of light. Ever-increasing stages of light. And God wants to break darkness out of your thinking. Because in your thinking, you look ahead and you see darkness, and you look behind you and you see darkness. But in God's thinking, He looks behind you and He sees light, and He looks ahead of you and He sees light, and He sees light, and He, he sees light and light, and the light is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And, and God releases the word of the Lord to say, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It's your time. 
When God says it's your time to shine, he's not saying it's your time to shine temporarily. It's not your moment in the spotlight. I'm not talking about a moment in the spotlight where you have a moment of fame, 60 seconds of fame, and then they throw you out. God doesn't throw you out. I'm talking about a lifetime. I'm talking about God being your eternal light. He's your eternal light. Your sun will never go down. I know every time God does something in your life, you say, well, I know the devil's not happy and he's coming back. The expectation of backlash, I'm breaking that off you tonight in the name of Jesus. The expectation of backlash. The expectation of backlash is a form of faith, but it's satanic faith. Because I'm confident in the devil's power to attack me. Tonight, God is taking you into an expectation of an ever-increasing, ever-increasing light. He's preparing a table. God knows how to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He doesn't even command the enemies to leave. He lets them roam right about you because he wants to teach you not to fear them. He wants to teach you, like David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? He's going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies and sit you down at that table. And you're going to say, but Lord, look, he hates me and she hates me and he wants to kill me. And he says, look at me, look into my eyes, look into my Lord. Couldn't you have picked a better place to prepare a table before me? The Lord says, there's no better place than the table I sit you at because I'm sitting with you at the table. I am your everlasting light, ever increasing light. It means that God takes you to the place where you can't even see darkness anymore. All you see is light. Remember, David said it in Psalm 139. He said, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Hades, you're there. If I go out into the sea, you're there. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me. The darkness shines as light to you. Darkness and light are alike to you. David said, the darkness shines as light to you. You know what David was saying? He was saying, and listen, this is what the word of the Lord is saying to you tonight by the spirit. Spirit, that God is able to take you to a place where light and darkness are a light to you. That even when you walk in darkness, you're, you see darkness as light. You can't even see it as darkness anymore. You begin to look at things that look dark and say, it's a good thing. Things that look bleak and say, no, no, it's clear. Places where it looks like there's confusion and say, I just got a revelation. I can't be in the dark. We are sons of the light. We are sons of the day. It's high time to awake from sleep. Wake up, O oh sleeper, and Christ will give you light. He's here to give you light tonight. And your light is going to shine and it will never go out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John said the light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't comprehend it. The darkness can't understand the light. The darkness looks at the light and it's dumbfounded. Why are the sons and daughters of the light confused before darkness when it's darkness that should be confused before light? You'll never be confused in front of the darkness again. You've got clarity. Your light will never be snuffed out. You'll never hide it under a, a bowl. No, tonight it's being put on its stand. 
tonight it's being put on its stand. And is it an interesting that when Jesus went to reveal what the church really is to John in the book of Revelation chapter 2, he said, I saw seven golden lampstands. And Jesus said, those lampstands, that's what the churches are. They are lampstands. Lampstands give light. Do you know what you are? You are a source of revelation. That's what you are. You are a reflection of the glory of God. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And what God wants to show you is he's not just taking you into the light, but he's made you the light. He's made you the light. He's made you the light. And your light will never set. It'll never go out. Hmm. Here's the last piece of that. He ends Isaiah chapter 60 here. Says your sun will never go down. Your moon will never stop shining. Your light will never go out. And then he goes right into 61 and says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those who are bound, to open up prison doors for those in chains of bondage, to give them beauty for ashes and strength for weakness, the oil of joy for the spirit of mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and they shall be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, and they shall rebuild the waste places and restore the desolations of many generations." You know how God brings you into the greater light? He puts his spirit on you and anoints you in a way that goes beyond what you could ever anticipate. And tonight, God is putting his spirit on you in a new way. And actually, here's what he wants you to know. You know, when we're talking about the, 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 the fullness of the spirit, the baptism of the spirit, the power of the spirit, the anointing of the spirit, you know what we're really talking about? We're talking about the bubbling up and overflow of what you've already received. Mm. You're sons and daughters of God, aren't you? Well, Paul said, because you are sons, he's given you the spirit of his son. And by him, you cry out, Abba, Father. You know what the blockage is in some of your minds for receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit? You think you don't have him. That's the problem. You're coming to the altar saying, God, give me the spirit. And God's saying, I've given you the spirit. Now I'm causing you to arise and shine. All he wants to do is cause the bubble up and overflow of what you've already received. I remember when I was growing up, we used to sing this song at church. It said, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors and sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Jesus said, he who believes in me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. It's coming out of your innermost being. It's already in your innermost being. Now it's going to break out and come out of your innermost being. I'm talking about the breakthrough, the overflow, the release of what you've already received, what God's already deposited in you. You are already the light. 
You've already been anointed in God. You've already received the spirit of the living God. Now God is taking you to another level of anointing. He's taking you to another level of power. He's taking you to another level of breakthrough. Another level of revelation. Another level of light. Another level. Another level. Come on, stand up on your feet and just press into that next level right now. Come on, open your mouth right now and begin to declare it.